0: Wax program with Fibber McGee and Molly. The makers of Johnson's Wax for home and industry present Fibber McGee and Molly, written by Don Quinn and Phil Leslie, with music by the Kingsmen and Billy Mills Orchestra. Whoa. Many people are buying new linoleum today because there's a limited amount available. But in over a million homes, linoleum floors are being kept new-looking with Johnson's self-polishing glow coat. Not only new-looking, either, because the regular use of glow coat, they will last six to ten times longer. That would be reason enough for you to try glow coat on all of your linoleum surfaces. Kitchen, front hall, bathroom, or bedrooms. Wherever you have any variety of linoleum or asphalt or rubber tile. This is, of course, another reason for Glow Coat's great popularity. It's so easy to use. The story is simply this. Apply and let dry. There's no rubbing or buffing because Glow Coat is self-polishing. It's very easy to keep a Glow Coated floor spotless, too. Spilled things are wiped up in a jiffy. The protective Glow Coat film is tough, uniform, always the same. And the Johnson name on the package is your guarantee of dependability. (laughs) Fortunately for his wife and his close neighbors, the squire of 79 Wistful Vista is not a profane man because he's just got his monthly bank statement. And you know what that does to Mr. McGee of Fibber McGee and Molly. Of all the dirty,
1: second-carding, dice-loading, figure-juggling shysters, I hereby award the silver chisel with two oak leaves to the Fourth National Bank.
2: (laughs) Dear, every month the same thing. What have they done now?
1: Look at this bank statement. Just look at it. They disagree with my figures again. They say my balance is thirty-four dollars and twelve cents. According to my check stubs, it's thirty five dollars and sixty two cents. They're jipping me a buck and a half.
2: Maybe you wrote a check and forgot it, dearie.
1: Impossible. I got a memory like an elephant.
2: Yeah. And <laughs> just as highly overrated. <laughs> You've never yet mailed a, nailed a bank in a mistake, have you?
1: Oh, haven't I? Well, how about the time they spelled my name Flitter McGee?
2: <laughs> no, I mean a financial mistake.
1: Well, they're not perfect. How about this buck and a half?
2: Hey, by the way, uh, didn't you buy a book for $1.50 last month? A book? On glass blowing?
1: Oh, my gosh, I did it that. Doggone it, and I was sure I had them this time.
2: <laughs> well, even if you had, they're entitled to a mistake now and then. Bankers are only human.
1: I'm not so sure of that either. I never did decide what old man McDonald was. He's got eyes like a mackerel, a voice like a bull, the soul of a hyena, and a handshake like a bucket of guppies.
2: Well, personally, I like him.
1: Well, so do I, doggone it. And he'd be so easy to hate, too.
2: By the way, dearie, uh, why did you want that book on glass glassblowing?
1: Oh, I had an idea to make some cute Christmas presents. Oh, I was going to blow some glass ships with bottles inside of them. <laughs> it didn't work out right.
2: You ought to buy a book on how to blow money. <laughs> I'm sure you could have blown a dollar and a half more intelligently than hello,
3: that. Hello, Mrs.
2: McGee. Hello, Mr. McGee. Oh, hello, Alice, dear.
1: Hi, Alice. Hey, hey, what business do you do business with? Uh? What bank do you do business with, kid? Where do you bank your dough?
2: In the Darling Security. The what, Alice? The Darling Security. My left stocking. Why? Oh. oh. <laughs>
1: Well, by George, I think I'd better try that. Then I wouldn't be getting into these rat races with the 4th National every month.
3: <laughs> There's
2: never been a run on the 4th National, McGee. Alice's bank has had several.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Not
2: only that, but every once in a while, I paint my stockings on with that liquid stuff. And one day after I applied it, I spent 20 minutes trying to stuff $18 into it. <laughs> You can't do it. (laughs) Besides, stocking your dough in your sock is very inconvenient, McGee. Hmm? You have to go into a phone booth or a dark corner to make deposits and withdrawals.
1: (laughs) Then I'm going to get me a money belt and carry it around my waist.
2: Oh, well, I'll get you one for Christmas, Mr. McGee. What size belt do you wear?
1: I wear a size... Well, never mind. I'll I'll keep my dough under a loose brick in the fireplace.
2: (laughs) All right. Uh, Were there any phone calls for me today? Oh, yes, Alice. Uh, Corporal uh, McCluskey called. He didn't leave any number, though. Oh, I've got his number, believe me. (laughs) I gave him the gate. Mm. When I was a girl, Alice, I made it a point never to break up with a boy till after Christmas. Hmm,
1: and you're not whistling Dixie, baby. (laughs) You were the sweetest girl in Peoria during November and December. (laughs) But what a whim of iron in January.
2: Don't do any good with McCluskey. He said when he was a child he got stuck in a chimney, and ever since then he's had Santa Claustrophobia. Oh. But if he calls again, find out where I can call him back and then hang up on him. Thanks very much. <laughs> you know, it's a good thing I didn't know as many boys when I was young, McGee.
1: Why, Molly?
2: Well, if I'd have had any basis for comparison, I probably wouldn't have married you and think what I'd have missed.
1: Oh, I don't know, Tootsie. You might have married a million bucks and had a string of yachts and a summer home at Snob Harbor.
2: (laughs) I did better. I married a million laughs, one of them being a hearty snicker at (laughs) Morgenthau.
1: Well, you know me, kid. I'd rather be a riot than be president. (laughs) You get it? I didn't say right. I says riot. Which I consider a rather clever... Ain't
2: funny, to...
3: McGee. Oh. <laughs>
1: oh, well, I haven't tried one of those for a long time.
3: <laughs>
1: Can't always have luck with the yuck. There are days when even the best of us... Are. Come in. Oh, hi, a painkiller. Hello,
2: Dr. Gamble.
1: Hello, Molly. And good day to you, liverwurst. What do you mean, liver worse? I mean, if you don't get out and get some exercise, you'll have the worst
0: liver on my entire roll call.
2: Oh, now, doctor, he does setting up exercises every morning. Betcha. He sets up, shuts off the alarm clock, and falls back unconscious. <laughs> well,
1: anyway, you're not exactly a model of physical perfection yourself, doc. You got the profile of a basketball smuggler. <laughs> who's talking. With that pot of yours, you ought to spend your life standing under a rainbow. <laughs> oh, yeah? Well, come on outside and I will, Sy. Si. A rainbow is just the sun shining through a big drip. What? <laughs>
2: McGee, now stop it. The doctor didn't come in here to be insulted, did you, doctor?
1: No, I didn't. Came in here to insult him. <laughs> and by the way, short snort, here's your monthly bill. A bill for your... Sur- well, can you equal that? Too doggone cheap to buy a three-cent stamp. Doc, you're so tight-fisted you're a menace to doorknobs. <laughs> Why, you're cheaper than my cousin Gurney, who was a counterfeiter and still got the first dollar he ever made. Why, if you and have...
2: Now, now, McGee, please. We'll send you a check in a day or so, Doctor.
1: Thanks. Got a cigarette, McGee? Cigarette? No, oh, I have not Doc. I have, have a cigar? No, thanks. Just want to smoke. Not fumigate. <laughs>
2: Those cigars of McGee's are pretty strong, doctor. He inhaled one once, and I had to give him artificial respiration for 40 minutes.
1: Ah, strong my clavicle. Pure Havana wrapper. That isn't a wrapper, sonny boy. That's a shroud. (laughs) Uh, You sure you haven't got a cigarette lying around? Haven't been able to buy any all day. Sorry, doc. Nary a gasper. Oh, well. Maybe one of my patients will be a cigarette smoker. I can order him to lay off for a few days and smoke his myself. (laughs) Well, I'd better be running along. Don't
2: be in a hurry, doctor.
1: Well, I've got to get to the hospital, Molly. I have a few ejections to perform. You mean injections, Ignatz? I mean ejections. <laughs> We're short of beds, and I have to throw out a few gold-breaking patients who just check in to get their backs rubbed and steal some Kleenex. See you later.
2: Isn't he a sweet old character?
1: Uh, he's a tight-fisted old buck hunter. That's what he is. The idea of bringing me a monthly statement—it's unethical. Dunning a patient in person—I got a good mind to report him to the AMA.
2: How much is the bill?
1: Oh, I don't know. I didn't even look. See? Oh, oh my gosh! How much? Nothing. Nothing. It says. Well,
2: we owe him at least eighteen dollars. What does it say, dearie?
1: Charges canceled in lieu of Christmas present. Ah. Oh. And a happy New Year. Signed, Chris Kringle Gamble. <laughs> Ah, isn't he a sweet old character?
2: (laughs) Dear, dear, and we couldn't even give the poor lad a cigarette.
1: Dad Braddett, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to find old Doc some cigarettes if I have to climb George Washington Hill on my hands and knees.
3: (laughs) Hand me the phone. Billy
0: Mills in the orchestra, and there goes that song again.
2: Before you can get the doctor some cigarettes, McGee? No,
1: and I've called every drugstore and tobacco shop in town. Can't find any cigarettes anyplace.
2: Heavenly days, I'd like to have a package myself.
1: You? Why, you never smoked a cigarette in your life.
2: I know, but that's how these shortages affect people. Huh? <laughs> if somebody started a rumor that there was going to be a shortage of war bonds, why, every town in the country would buy over its quota. Unquota. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I still got one ace in the hole to get good old Doc some cigarettes. And this is my last phone call. Hello, operator. Give me radio station W B I S. That's you, Mert. Oh dear. How's every little thing, Mert? Thursday. Eh? What's that, Mert? Your Sid Kister, her kid sister.
3: <laughs>
1: went to the waves last week.
2: Oh, good for her, McGee. How old is she?
1: Eleven. She went fishing with her father and fell out of the boat.
2: <laughs>
1: What's that, Mert? Okay, connect me.
2: What's the radio station got to do with getting
1: cigarettes for? Hello, W B I S. Let me speak to Mister McClure, please. Yeah. Hello, Paul. River McGee speaking, remember? Oh, oh, sure you do, Paul. Went to school with you in Peoria. Huh? You didn't? He didn't what? Says he never went to school in Peoria. <laughs> well, where did you go to school, Paul? Libertyville, Illinois. <laughs> well, I'm afraid you got me confused with somebody else, Paul. <laughs> i never been in Libertyville. This
2: is as far fetched a way to get cigarettes as well, I ever. Paul,
1: our chances of getting on that quiz program of yours tonight. That smokes for folks. The one you give cigarettes away on
2: Ah, uh, I begin to see. Yeah, yeah,
1: that's the one. Huh? Oh, I see. Yeah. Huh? Okay, I'll be there. 6.45. Okay, McTavish. Thanks. You see, Molly? That's what it takes to get things. Brains and brass. But... Gotta get down there at 6.45. We'll get supper downtown someplace after the show. And yes, all but... I got to do is answer a few quiz questions and boom, they hand me a and of cigarettes. But... I always wanted a chance to make a monkey out of some of those experts. But... Offered to go on Information Please once, but they never answered. For a show with such a polite title, they're awful bad-mannered with their mail. But... What were you saying?
2: Never mind. I should have saved those butts for Dr. Gamble.
1: <laughs> well, get your hat, kiddo. We haven't got much time. I
2: better tell Beulah we'll be out for dinner. Beulah! Oh, Beulah! Beulah! Roger.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Look, Beulah, I and Mrs. McGee will be out tonight for dinner. Take the evening off if you want to. Well, thank you very
2: much, sir. But you remember you asked me for chicken and dumplings tonight, and they is highly unappetizing in a state of frigidity. (laughs) (laughs) It's too bad, Beulah, but an emergency has arisen. Okay, ma'am, it uh, sure is a shame to check that chicken and dump them dumplings.
1: <laughs> put them in that thermos jug and take it home with you, Beulah.
2: And when you get to the neck, think of Mr. McGee. He's sticking his out tonight. <laughs> in
1: what, if my I may inquire, way, ma'am? I'm <laughs> going to go on the air tonight, Beulah, at W-B-I-S. Listen in at 7 p.m.
3: Well, strike me
1: pink, if possible.
3: <laughs>
2: On the radio, sir It's you getting yourself Out on a leaf? You mean out on a limb, Beulah
4: No, ma'am I like his father Out in the <laughs> Oh, I don't know
2: Well, uh, to tell the truth, Beulah He's going to appear On that quiz program Smokes for folks mm mm-hmm. You ever been on one of them Whodunits before, sir?
0: No, well, this is a quiz
2: show, Beulah A done is a mystery Yes, ma'am I'm begging your pardon This one ain't going to be Solved to my
3: satisfaction Until around 7.30 30 <laughs> Uh, don't worry, Beulah. I can handle
1: it.
2: Oh, he's just panting to get at it, me. Well,
1: I hope I can control my breathing when I go up against that microphone. <laughs> One thing I hate to have is pants in my answers.
3: Love that man. <laughs>
2: Put my face on, McGee. You be sure the heat's turned down your cigars are
1: off. Okay. Ah, there goes a good kid. Yes, sir. And here she comes back.
2: I just happen to think, McGee, if you can't get two tickets for the studio, I'd just soon stay home and listen no, to No, no,
1: no, no. Don't worry your little bobby pins about that, Angel Puss. I'll get us in. Now, you hurry up and slink into your mate.
2: All right. I was merely trying to be helpful. Yes,
1: sir. A good kid. Forget my own name. My gosh, what is my name? Oh, I know. <laughs> oh, further. Now what?
4: Come in. Hi, Mister. Oh, hello there, Teeny. <laughs> what you got your hair on for, Mister? You just get home?
1: Hmm? No, no, I'm just going out. Sis, I'm going on the radio tonight. It's a quiz show. Smokes for folks.
4: Oh boy, that's wonderful, Mister. Mm-hmm you, you got to be awful smart for that, I'll bet hmm.
1: Yeah, they've been after me for some time to appear, sis. But... <laughs> I finally gave in.
4: My daddy was on the radio once. He, he was, huh? Hmm?
1: I said he was, eh?
4: He was once. Your daddy was on the radio once. I know it. <laughs> but, but he fell off. He what? He fell
1: off.
4: What? He just got on the radio so he could reach the chandelier on account there was a bulb burn out.
1: <laughs> Oh, Hmm? I said, oh.
4: Oh. Hey, mister, I got a dandy idea, I bet you. Well, let me ask you some questions and see if you can answer them. It'll be dandy practice for you, I bet you. Shall we do it? Hmm? Shall we? Hmm? Shall we? Hmm?
1: Shall we? <laughs> well, that's the first constructive thing you ever said, sis. Nothing like a little warm up.
4: Fire away. Okay. Um. Where does quinine come from?
1: From the bark of the chinchona tree, sis. Oh? Oh, so I understand they can now make it sympathetically in the laboratory. Oh.
4: <laughs> okay. Now we don't write that down, mister. Mm? Okay. Second question. Shoot. If you had six apples and you had to divide with your brother so he'd have two apples less than you, how many apples would you give him?
1: Why, that's easy. I'd give him two.
4: Gee, you're awful
3: fast, mister. Sure.
1: My uncle was a lightning calculator, sis. He miscalculated one day and got struck.
3: Next question.
4: (laughs) You're funny. (laughs) Okay. If Farmer Jones had 12 head of mules, and he divvied them up among his three sons so that one son had twice as many as the other two put together, how did he divide them? Hmm.
1: (laughs) I got you there, sis. I remember that one from grammar school. One son gets one mule, one son gets three mules, and the other gets eight.
4: One, three, and eight. Yep. Okay, mister. Thanks ever so much. Thanks? For what? Doing my homework for me. (laughs)
1: Well, oh, I'll be a... Why, that little... All oh, the... I'm
2: all ready to go, McGee. Who are you talking
1: to? Oh, that kid from across the street. And you, sheep You know, I still think that kid is a midget. <laughs> well, come on. <laughs> well, this way, Molly, down the hall here. It's in Studio C. My
2: goodness, aren't you nervous, McGee? No, not at all. <laughs> Take uh, your hat out of your pocket and get that handkerchief off your head, then. no. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, uh, hey, isn't that Harlow over there? Where?
0: The guy standing in the corner reading the paper.
2: I can't see his face. Let's go over there and see. And
0: that's why Johnson's Wax is the finest protection money can buy. The finest protection money can buy a better underlined protection for floors, furniture, and woodwork. It protects against dust, dirt, dampness. Slight pause Here. And keeps things from... Uh... Hi,
2: Waxy. Hello, Mr. Wilcox. Uh,
0: don't bother me now, folks. I'm rehearsing for the... Oh, hello there, Molly. Hello, pal. What are you doing here? I'm going to be one of the experts on smokes for folks, Junior. He's doing it to get some
2: cigarettes for Dr. Gamble, Mr. Wilcox. Oh,
0: gee, that's great. But look, if you'll excuse me, I've got to run over this sales talk before I go on the air. Oh. Uh, let me see. Use Johnson's wax on windowsills, lampshades, luggage. I better say ore luggage.
3: Yeah.
0: No, that's all right. Windowsills, lampshades, luggage. Johnson's wax seals the pores of wood and leather against the elements, and, uh... Hey, Fibber, did you say you were on smokes for folks? Sure. Why? Well, gee, you've only got a minute to get into the studio. Hurry up. It's right in that door there, Studio C. See you later.
1: Oh, thanks, Junior. Come on, Molly. We'll see what Franklin P. Adams has got that I haven't got, besides a mustache.
0: Here are the King's Men singing Do ra
3: sing that song.
1: I'm sure you know what state the Statue of Liberty is in. Think now. No coaching from the audience, please. Statue of Liberty. Well, that's on Ellis Island. And Ellis Island is... Think hard, Mr. McGee. And by the way, how do you like this new jersey I'm wearing? Oh, that's very good looking. But but don't waste my time now. I'm trying to think. You have 25 seconds left, Mr. McGee. In what state is the Statue of Liberty? Uh, McGee, it's in New... Please, no coaching. New York! Ah! (laughs) Oh, I'm sorry, Mr. McGee. I think you'll find that the Statue of Liberty is on Bedloe's Island, which belongs in New Jersey. And that gives you a score of 17 against 19 for the other surviving contestant, Mr. Egbert Crabtree. You may sit down for a minute, Mr. McGee. Oh, thanks, bud. All right, Mr. Crabtree. If you'll select your questions from the old... Mr. McGee, Backupon. you're doing wonderful. Oh, gee, I don't know, Molly. He got me with that fourth question.
2: You mean who wrote the autobiography of Benjamin Franklin?
1: Yeah. <laughs> Who did? Well,
2: I don't know, and I don't think it's a fair question. My goodness, a person can't read every book that's printed. Oh,
1: I should say not. I don't see why Boy, listen to him, Hiss that guy Crabtree. No, they're asking us to keep quiet. Huh? Oh. Listen. Now take your time on this question, Mr. Crabtree. Here are three questions about dancing. You get two out of three. First, what dance originated in Hawaii? Well, I think it's the uh uh room. No coaching. Uh, uh no coaching, please. Uh, come, Mr. Crabtree, the dance of Hawaii. What would you do in a grass skirt? <laughs> well, I, mean, I think I'd blush because, see, I'm never... <laughs> Time's up on that one, Mr. Crabtree. It's the hula. Second question, what
0: is a popular dance tune in South America?
1: Uh, the, um, the waltz. No, Mr. Crabtree, the waltz is not
0: a South American
1: dance. Well, I, the, the waltz is just one revolution after another, so naturally I... Thought... <laughs> <laughs> the Samba, Mr. Crabtree. Now, the third question. What dance around 1912 was named after a bird? The, um, uh, bird. Foxtrot? Uh, oh, no, a
3: fox isn't a bird. <laughs> <of course>.
1: uh, <laughs> I'm talking turkey to you, Mr. Crabtree. Your time is almost up. All right. Can't seem to think I... Uh, Oh, I'm sorry, Mr. Crabtree. (laughs) It's the turkey trot. Sit down, please. All right, Mr. McGee. If you'll step up to the microphone again, your last question. If you answer correctly, you will beat Mr. Crabtree by one point. Well, let's get at it, bud. I'm here on business. Hand me a question. Take a question out of the old tobacco box, Mr. McGee. Some of them are squirrely, but it's all for Hurley the burly cigarette that's secretly blended with rubber. So the ashes bounce right off your vest. (laughs) All right, Mr. McGee, have you selected a question? Yes. That's fine. And here's your question Name ten American Indian tribes. Ten Indian tribes, eh? Be a feather in my cap if I answer that one, won't it, (laughs) bud? No (laughs) wasting time, Mr. McGee. Better get started. Ten Indian tribes. Okay. Uh, Osage, Potawatomis. Shawnees, Illinois, Cors, Crows, D- D- Delawares, N- Navajos, Ottawas. How many is that? That's nine. One more to go and you'll be the winner. Come now, one more Indian tribe. Oh, my gosh, I certainly ought to be. Of like... course, if you lose, nobody can sue you, sue you, Oh, why should anybody sue, sue me? You're trying to confuse me. Thirty seconds to go, Mr. Key. One more Indian tribe. Huh? Apache! No coaching, please. Apache! <laughs> Apache!
2: Wonderful. I don't know how you do
1: it. I did it for old Doc Gamble, Molly. But I won him his cigarettes. Oh boy, oh boy. Why, George, when I start out to do ladies something... and gentlemen and contestants, the Hurley Burley Tobacco Company, makers of that fine Hurley Burley cigarette, the cigarette that's quick on the draw, so round, so firm, so hard to get.
3: <laughs>
1: Thanks you all for being here for Smokes for Folks. For the loser tonight, Mr. Edward Crabtree, a carton of hurly-burly cigarettes. And for the winner, Mr. Fibber McGee, this beautiful gold-mounted cigarette holder. Well, I'll be a cigarette holder. Oh, sure. Awesome.
0: <laughs> you ladies who popular fiction must often have come across statements like this. Lydia Lush smiled as she stepped into the lovely living room with its attractive furnishings, its polished wax floors. Well now, not meaning to be funny, why wouldn't Lydia smile when she entered such a beautiful living room? Makes you feel happy to be in beautiful surroundings. And I don't mean expensive ones either. The simplest rooms are more attractive when the surfaces of their floors, furniture, and woodwork are gleaming with wax polished beauty. Try it yourself and you'll see what I mean. If it were hard work or expensive to have wax protection, you might have to think twice about it. But Johnson's wax is so inexpensive that its cost is negligible and saves you so much work all through the year, you'll gladly give it that first waxing. And besides making your things last longer, it gives you a healthier home because Johnson Waxed Home is a clean home. Have I said enough? Now do you know why Lydia smiled?
1: I'm writing a new song. You want to hear it? What's it about? I'm going to release it to the public when cigarettes come back.
2: What's the name of it?
1: Inhale <laughs> <laughs> Columbia.
2: Speaking of songs, ladies and gentlemen, we've had so many requests for Ken Darby's musical setting of the night before Christmas, we're going to do it next week. Good night. Good night, all. <laughs>
0: Hello, speaking for the makers of Johnson Wax Finishes for Home and Industry, inviting you all to be with us again next Tuesday night. Tonight, yes. This is the National Broadcasting Company.